the industry's moving. The industry's changing. And drivers and companies are going to have to make a decision. They're either going to move along with it or they're not. And eventually things are going to get hard for them if they choose not to. And then they're going to be forced to make a decision. We'll hear some perhaps unpopular opinions here on the March 18th, 2022 edition of the Overdrive Radio podcast with Trucker Nation's Andrea Marks, also involved in the small fleet operations of her parents and husband's small truck companies pulling livestock from a Colorado home base. I'm Todd Dills, and as promised a couple weeks back when we spoke with Marks about the prospects for the COVID-19 National Emergency Declaration's hours of service waiver for haulers of certain commodities, much of our talk here centers on the new entry-level driver training rule. Those new regulations for trainers and trainees require formal elements of training prior to any prospective CDL holder taking the skills test. For her part, Andrea Marks calls herself a huge proponent of these new training regulations. If she's being honest, she added, echoing a lot of what I've heard in general terms about the training rule from owner-operators and others in trucking in recent years, I kind of thought that the trucking industry was too. Yet there's at once a strong undercurrent of antipathy to the regs among some drivers and owner-operators of a couple of different flavors, from my view. One argument says that uh, the training regs don't go far enough. They don't mandate on trainers and trainees a specific amount of time of behind-the-wheel instruction in the form of a number of hours to meet, for instance, rather basing assessment on proficiency on a trainee's ability to perform the tasks request required. The regs do mandate that behind-the-wheel training must be a part of any trainee's curriculum, though the time required can vary by program or, necessarily, by student. The second argument I've heard against the program is something of an opposite, that it's putting too much formalization on a process that has traditionally been a more informal, learn-on-the-job, apprenticeship type of training, particularly for many in the small truck community across the nation. Those who criticize the entry-level training regimen this way worry that such is on its way out the door. Though regular listeners will recall my interview with Harry Smith of Ralph Smith Company of Utah several weeks ago. That small fleet fully intends to continue its own private, in-house apprenticeship training effort, very much of the sort of old-school variety with new procedures in place to button up efforts to conform with the new rules. At the same time, with a couple of trainees in progress as of late January and early February, The folks at Ralph Smith Company were moving rather quickly with hopes of getting those trainees through the entire process before the early February training rule deadline, after which the company would have to comply with numerous new reporting and documentation requirements per the rule. Avoiding added processes and paperwork is certainly understandable, but it also feels like a bit of an acknowledgement that, hey, there are some aspects of the old school apprenticeship training model that just don't fit the new rule, at least not exactly, anyway. On the other side of the break, today we'll hear directly from Mark some candid commentary on where the trucking world seems to be in relation to training. That's coming up after this word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. First Guard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner-operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not First Guard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to firstguard.com. That's one S-T-guard.com. First Guard. We speak trucker. 
Let's talk. I put a post out, a poll out in 2018. You know, what are the things that um, about training that you would want changed? If you could create your own or craft your own training, what are the things that you would want changed? And I cataloged each one of the responses. And the top responses, I have them, um, are in fact um, all included in the new training regulations. So, here they are. I even did a video about it, including my findings from asking. I got like 350 responses. Not that that's a lot, but that's not... That's not not a lot either. So, so we re- received 310 comments. Of these comments, the top issue that was revealed by 78% of people was requiring that trainer trainers have more experience. Um, that's included in the new training regulation. So prior to February 7th, trainers could have their their CDL for five minutes yeah. and be a trainer. Now they have to have at minimum two years of experience. Their CDL can't be suspended. You know, there's a whole host of requirements. That's two years better than prior to February 7th. I think it should be stricter if you want me to be honest. But, a, lot, a lot of people do as well. A lot of people, yeah. people have heard from as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it should be 10 years. Let's see. The second biggest issue that folks brought up is they want training to be longer. That was actually not, I mean, it is addressed in training, but it's addressed in training, not in a minimum number of of hours requirement, which I think is a great thing. Training is proficiency-based. If you need more time, you get more time because you have to prove your proficiency. If you don't need more time and you can cruise through training in, you know, a couple days because you can tick off all the boxes, then you're fine. And there are going to be people that can do that, but there are also going to be people that can't do that. And, you know, what I hear, here's, here's what I hear. And this is what really just gets in my crawl is the people that are like, well, I learned from my dad or I learned from an old timer. I learned, you know, this, that, the other. Well, I'm so thankful for that. I learned old school. Okay. Well, you don't have, no, you don't have to go take the training over again. You already have your CDL. So this doesn't even apply to you. So quit losing your mind. Two, um, Learning from an old timer shouldn't be the only way into the trucking industry, nor should it be perceived as the superior ticket into the trucking industry. If there is one way that we need to be leveling the playing field, which is this, you know, uh, this hot ticket term, training is where we need to do it. 
So, you know, what about that inner city kid that sits on an overpass at night and wants to be a truck driver more than anything in the world, but, you know, that has never driven a truck in his life, but knows that that's what he wants to do. Yeah, may not have, like, may not have the old timer uh, uh, anywhere yeah, nearby. Might not have that old timer in his life. Yeah. Like growing up on a farm and learning from your dad is not the superior way into the trucking industry. It never will be. And I it don't want to hear that it is one way. It is not the superior way. So I, I just it that bugs me. That that bugs me having a proficiency-based system where you have to prove your proficiency, I think is a good thing. I hope that this pans out well. Um, 48% of uh, respondents said that CDL holders should be able to speak English. And I'll tell you, um, when this came up back in 2018, when I made the post, it was surprising to me. Um, as someone who is a bit of a progressive thinker, I I had a blind spot here. And um, then I talked to my husband about it and he explained to me that it actually was a safety issue and he explained to me why. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. In the new training regulations, when it comes to the behind the wheel portion, so the behind the wheel range and the behind the wheel public road portion, the training can only be administered um, by the trainer in English. Right. Even the behind the wheel theory portion can only be administered in English, but the test can be administered in a different language. So, right. um, and then 43% of people were concerned with drivers being trained to drive in extreme weather and driving conditions. Um, now there is a requirement in the theory portion that didn't change. Um, and want to make sure that people know, and I've, I've tried to be, at, you know, at least on social media, let people know that training, um, has never been, and will never be a substitute for experience. Um, training is to ensure that everyone has a baseline proficiency to be a safe truck driver it never is meant to be that you know everything you'll ever need to know about being a truck driver and you'll never need to learn anything else ever again and I think that that's kind of the rhetoric that people get in their head when they see this type of stuff or they want to believe that the federal regulators think that training is and that's not ever meant to be the case these are just the beliefs that i feel like drivers want to believe it is i mean it is after all called entry-level driver training uh, right for a reason right it's uh, you're not you're not like uh you know veteran level (laughs) uh, driver training right but yeah yeah um let's see 38 percent of people were concerned with backing Now, there is a portion in um, the theory training, the behind the wheel um, range training, and the behind the wheel on the road training um, where you have to prove proficiency in backing, and that's straight line backing um, and 45 degree and 90 degree backing. And then 
Finally, 35% of people were concerned with being trained on manual transmission trucks. And this is where I don't agree with, um, I don't agree with respondents. And um, I, I believe that if someone wants to choose to have an automatic, um, an automatic restricted CDL, then they, then, then they, that's their choice. Right. Um, Which I even automatic. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in the new training regulations, uh, if you train on um, an automatic transmission, then that then you'll have an automatic um, automatic restricted CDL. So, yeah, I believe in that. Um, firmly believe in that. I would hate to be someone who. Um, is comfortable driving an automatic that knows how, you know, maybe, maybe is someone who purchased an automatic knows my truck inside and out. And then maybe something happened and I have to go, you know, drive a, a company truck for someone else and it's a manual and I'm forced to be put in a truck that I don't know how to drive. That's not safe. That's not safe at all. Um, I don't think that a manual transmission um, is superior. I will never think that a manual transmission is superior. I think it's the greatest debate of all debates <laughs> in right. the trucking industry, uh, besides new school versus old school. Um, yeah. And I um, think it is very close-minded to think that, um, for for whatever reason, that driving a manual transmission is somehow superior. For what it's worth, when it comes to that great debate, the automated manual transmissions have made big fleet inroads in recent years. When we polled Overdrive's owner-operator readers about just what sort of transmission was in their truck last year, not much had changed in about 10 years since we last asked that question. Around three-quarters of all poll respondents were utilizing manual transmissions. Um, something else I want to throw in there about yeah. um, the entry-level driver training is, you know, there was a, there was a big uproar huge when um it, the the training regulations first came out or like the day or two before they came out and at, what was it like agweb.com or something um they they posted an article that said that you know training could take you weeks and it could cost you up to eighty five hundred dollars and and right, that's right. that's true that's not an untrue statement but it's not a true statement either yeah so um it's it's a statement that could be true, but it's not a 100% true statement for everyone. Yep. Um, if you choose a training provider that charges that much money, yes, it could cost you that much money. Um, if you're someone that it takes that long to prove your proficiency, yes, it could take you that long. Um, but there's something I think that we have failed to realize. I think that we have got what we have paid for by paying nothing, by having free pay nothing training. I think in terms of safety, we've got what we've paid for. So um, I'm not against this. I think this is a good thing. I really what do you think? Do. I mean, what do you think about? Uh, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of. Fleets, small fleets included, um, that you know that their their systems are <clears throat> their training apprenticeships and stuff are are not paid um, in, in some 
in, in many cases. I mean, there's some of the big fleets that have their have their big training programs that are the, right. that are kind of there's a fee there and they have a big school or something but i'm, I'm talking about like a private private trainer right. that you know um i mean that that strikes me as a as a, an old an old model you know it's just like a handshake agreement you, you'll work for us for, for a while after you get your cdo we'll help you do it and uh-huh. uh and i've talked with you know a couple that are, are planning to keep their apprenticeship programs in place even with this new training rule, but uh, all of them to to a man uh, had a had some trainees in process that they were really trying to finish up before the regulation came into effect because they knew they know how much new uh, accounting and documentation they're going to have to do now that the rule is in place. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on on the survivability of those kinds of programs with this rule in place? And or you spoke to the. Uh, the safety aspect of of unpaid training there. Do you, would you be talking about those kinds of programs too? When you when you um, well, make those kinds of comments, I, I think it's I think it's bigger than that. Um, yeah, okay. In terms of these, you know, the small fleets that you know want to maintain their programs, yeah. um, I think it's very black and white for them. They're either going to maintain their programs by following the regulations that are set forth in the entry-level training program, uh, training regulations, or they're not. Yeah. Like, it's as simple as that. You have to submit yourself to unannounced um, investigate or um, yeah. inspections by, you know, FMCSA. What that looks like, how often that'll be, what the, you know, what the oversight manpower is, that's yeah. still relatively unknown. Yeah, making sure that, you know, your trainers, CDLs are up to date, that you're following those regulations to a T. You either spend the resources to ensure that you're doing that or you don't. I think that's very, very black and white. If they're going to spend the resources to have an apprenticeship program in place, which takes, you know, time and money and oversight of your own, and then great. And if you want to be able to offer that as a service to your people and a way to bring people in, whether you charge them or not, that's totally up to you. That's totally up to you. If if that's something that you just offer to the people that you hire and you don't charge them for it and you just administer this program, like that's totally up to you. You don't even have to make yourself public in the training provider registry. Totally cool. So I think that's very black and white, but but I think the thing as a whole, like the whole concept as, as you know, this being an old model, um, you know, having an apprenticeship program or like you work for us as a while for a while and we'll help you get a CDO. I think that whole the, the concept of really a lot of things being an old model in the trucking industry right. is really where we're at right now. So. I see so many people saying, well, this is how I've always done it or um, gone are the days that I can, I, 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 I heard somebody or talked to somebody um, about the new training regulations. They were like, well, you used to be able to just like, you know, run down to the DMV and, uh, you know, get, get a CDL in 45 minutes. You know, like if you needed, if the guy down the road fell on hard times and, and you needed this, 
load of paper clips hauled or this load of grain hauled and he didn't have a CDL, like you could help him out. You could just be like, Hey, run down to the DMV and, and get your CDL drive around the block with the, the old guy at the, at the DMV, take that test real quick. And, you know, we'll worry about all the paperwork later. Like, don't worry about that log book. Like we'll figure it out later. Like that's not a thing anymore. Right. Like those days are gone. The trucking industry is moving forward and you're either going to move forward with it or you're not. And I feel like drivers are hanging on to kind of this old school thing and the industry's moving. The industry's changing and drivers and companies are going to have to make a decision. They're either going to move along with it or they're not. And eventually things are going to get hard for them if they choose not to. And then they're going to be forced to make a decision. Either Come back make into a, a corner. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think that that is, you know, people are going to say, Oh, that's the, that's the government forcing you. No, 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 no. That's, that's change. That's, that's progress. That's not the government doing anything. That's progress. That's technology. That's the world. So, um, you know, I hear that a lot. Oh, well, the, and my husband even says it every once in a while. Oh, well, uh, in, in California, the government's forcing everybody to get new trucks. Well, I mean, I guess you could say that, but it's also progress. It's just, you know, that's what it is. So I, I have accepted the fact that the industry is changing, you know, and I think that there are still a lot of people out there that um, haven't accepted that yet. Engagement in that change as it's happening is the only way operators of all stripes stand to have a voice in what the change will be, ultimately. We've seen plenty of examples of where that's occurred to the negative in the view of so many over the years, whether that's widespread ELD mandate antipathy but also to the positive, such as hours of service tweaks for greater flexibility in that rules aftermath, where operator-led groups successfully, in many views, led the charge there toward the split sleeper and other changes that went into effect two years ago. Mark's points back to the training rule, though, is evidence somewhat to the contrary, in a public comment period that ended in spring 2016. If you go back to the entry-level driver training regulations, there were 333 people that gave enough, that cared enough to go to that public comment period when it was open for people to say, hey, what do you want to see here? This is what we're proposing. What do you want to see? What do you think about what we've put on paper? There were 333 people that cared enough to weigh in on it. That That's dismal. That's dismal. Yeah. We're not going to control our industry with participation like that. Yeah, it's got to you got to you got to have sustained effort around comment periods. More people have to pay attention. More people have to, have to take part in them. More know. people have to believe that yeah. putting their foot forward actually makes a difference. Yeah. You know, I had somebody ask me the other day, like, "What's the magic number of comments before they listen?" <laughs> there is none. Right. One single, well-written, well-supported comment yeah, puts an idea in somebody's can outweigh, head and move it, yeah. Right. Yeah. Could outweigh a hundred form letters. Form letters mean nothing. They mean yeah. nothing. It's not a vote. And people don't get that. 
Now, with right. when you were working on the leg, uh, the legislative side, that's different. <laughs> different. We could have everything we want, and we sit back and let a handful of folks get what they want, and then we get mad when what they wanted wasn't what we want, and we throw fits. And it's just it's insanity. Here's a big thanks to Andrea Marks for her time again. Stay tuned for news next week from two big events, the Truckload Carriers Association's Truckload 2022 Conference in Las Vegas early in the week, where we'll be unveiling this year's Owner Operator of the Year winner. And if you missed last week's podcast, find it at overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio for plenty of history and perspective from all three of this year's finalists there. And of course, the big show in Louisville, starting up with truck show lot set up Wednesday at the Kentucky Exposition Center, where Mid-America Trucking Show will run Thursday through Saturday. The big show comes with all manner of educational and networking opportunities, including our own Partners in Business Seminar with ATBS Friday at 1.45 p.m. local time in the Pro Talks Theater in room B104 in the South Wing. Join us there or visit overdriveonline.com PIB to find our brand new updated version of the long-running Overdrive ATBS co-production of the Partners in Business Owner-Operator Best Practices Manual. It can be a great resource, whether you're just starting out or been in business for decades, truth be told. Hope you'll check it out and hope to see you next week. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with acoustic guitar and other additional support from Overdrive Extra contributing writer and trucker songwriter, long haul Paul Marhofer. The podcast is then backed up further by Overdrive News Editor Matt Cole, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, and Executive Editor Alex Lockheed. Till next time, keep it pro out there.